Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Kathy was dancing. I saw you. Don't think I didn't. Oh, shit, you did? <laughs> You're only looking right at me. I'm looking right at you. Hello, welcome to Terror Hello, Talk. Hello, welcome. Shannon and Kathy open my viewers. Serious voice on. Today on the show, we are going to talk about Lori Vallow Daybell, who we have spoken about before and even interviewed an author of a great book, actually, in the past uh, called When the Moon Turns to Blood, Lori Vallow, Chad Daybell, and the Story of Murder, Wild Faith, and End Times. That's by Miss Leah. And we have talked about this before. Ongoing case, obviously, I believe their trials start in 2023. But today on the show, we wanted to specifically talk about the Netflix documentary, four-part documentary called Sins of Our Mother. So we're going to use that to have more conversation about this. Mm-hmm. Before, but first, first, next week on the show, we're going to talk about the 10-part, the 10-episode series Dahmer. I think there's a subtitle to that. Yeah, monster. Monsters, blah, blah, blah. Dahmer monster, the Jeffrey <laughs> Dahmer story. There you go. All the words. Uh, we're going to talk about that next week because it's an interesting series. But first, Kathy, I guess, had some opinions to share. I had some reactions to some of the opinions that have been oh, out there gotcha. about the show. Right. I, I, I'm not going to get too far into this because we're going to talk about the series and I'm about 85% done watching it. Cool. And, you know, for those of you who have been listeners of ours for a while or who have looked at our episode guide, I did like a three or four part on Dahmer a while back. And so I, I studied him pretty extensively for that. And I just want to start by saying that Ryan Murphy and the producers and the writers of the show did a very good job at telling this story in a way that you don't feel like you're just getting a bunch of facts. Yes. They are telling a story and they tell it out of sequence. Some of the most, the, some of even the tiniest details that I read about in, in one of the books that I read for that podcast, they're doing all of that in this. And so you have to imagine this is t- about 10 hours, 10 to 11 hours of Dahmer. And there is a lot of information on this guy. It's it's a and I'll just say real quick, even though we're going to talk about it more mm-hmm. in depth next week. I just want to tell people, like I have to watch this two episodes at a time. It's dark. No, no, it is it, it is very heavy, and I can watch one maybe two episodes at a time, and I have to stop because it. If any of you have seen like Requiem for a Dream or any of those or like Ari Aster films where you kind of feel sick. Although this is actually based on a true story. It's very effective. And I think it's what you're saying. I think because of the research. So anyway. Yeah. So a couple of things have come up 
over the past so many weeks that the show has been out that I just want to kind of give some feedback about my reaction to this Mm -hmm. as a queer person. And obviously I cannot speak for all queer people. That is not what I'm attempting to do. But I also try to look at things as objectively as I can, given the full context of the situation. And there's an article that came out that talked about Netflix has failed again, making the gay community look bad through this what? series. And I just because Dahmer is gay. No. So, okay. So I read it. I read most of it and then I had to stop. And I'm, okay. I really want to look up who wrote this. Cause it would not surprise me if it came from like a straight writer that was like, just trying to do something politically correct. Sure. Because here's the thing, folks. First of all, when you watch, and the reason why I'm sharing this with you is because if this has been a determining factor mm-hmm. as to whether you watch it, or not, I want you to reconsider for this reason. Three things. One, Dahmer did exploit his own community. Dahmer was not bad because he was gay. He was a psychopath who happened to be a gay man. Okay. Two, this was a time in the queer community where queer men especially only had a few places they could go to actually be themselves. And because they did not have the right to live out loud and in public, they had places like bars and clubs and bathhouses. Those were real things, folks. And we're telling the real story of that. And the third part is that I do not believe that outside of Dahmer, any other person who it was identified as gay in this film, whether it was an actual true story victim or an extra was perceived to be anything but a human being who happened to be a victim to him. So for people who are like, well, this is making the gay community. If, if to have a sexuality, if to be a man having sex with a man is somehow offensive and we're exploiting gay men, then you're really just offended at the fact that they're showing two gay men having sex. Mm -hmm. So I really think that that was a poor execution of of how this has been portrayed because what I believe and Ryan Murphy who is is I believe identifies as gay what I think he does extremely well is he actually gives a voice to uh people of color and he talks about and addresses homophobia white privilege all of this stuff throughout this series and it's very evident that Dahmer went as far as he did because of his white privilege. And so I just want to put that out there because it's really easy to read these and then jump on the bandwagon of gays are being exploited again. And I do not think that's the truth. I think it's a very difficult series to sit through because the reality was he exploited people within his community and it is very graphic. Mm -hmm. And his father never gave him a space to talk about his sexuality. So I love the character of his father in this oh movie. I, 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 that actor is first of He's all, He's amazing. has always been amazing. He's an amazing actor. So I just want to put that out there. Right. Um, well, we will talk more about that next week for sure. And then the other part, which we will talk about more in depth, but don't let me forget to talk about this with our series next week is there's also another article about um, whether we are becoming too obsessed with true crime because, and this came out because of the Dahmer series. So, you know, how much is too much and we can maybe relate it to, um, 
the series. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. So back to the topic of the day. This documentary is called Sins of Our Mother, and it is on Netflix, and it's a documentary, crime mystery. So when Lori Vallow's kids vanished, the search for them unearthed a trail of suspicious deaths, a new husband who shared her doomsday views and murder. So this particular documentary is, let me see, four episodes, I believe, four, three or four, four probably. And I can tell you that the last thing I wanted to do right now is sit down and watch another thing on Lori Vallow. But I also realized that the trials haven't even happened yet. Like they're not even happening yeah, until next, next year. year. Mm -hmm. So this is very much a case of our time. And so I also, am, I try to catch most of the Netflix documentary, true crime documentaries, the ones that at least get a little bit of traction. And I would say that in general, this is a pretty good one. It's not, I mean, there's not too much, too much, knew about it so if you're really very into this case i don't think you're gonna learn a whole bunch of new stuff i mean there's some clips of her that you know but i think yeah I, I also think that um it was told through the lens of her oldest son as well which Colby, i thought yeah yeah which i thought was a an interesting yeah i liked the tact that they took i i liked hearing it from people i mean i think true crime fans really prefer when these documentaries are coming from someone who is directly affected by it we all have we don't we all none of us have the stamina anymore for at least i certainly don't for completely cop driven um, no. documentaries even though some of them are quite good where it's just like you know, the cops that were on the case talking about it. Although I find that interesting. I just want that to be one part of it. But the the ones where it's from somebody who is actually directly affected by it. But I also have heard from some true crime fans that I know, some of our patrons who are like, I don't know, Colby's super suspicious. Oh, <laughs> like, interesting. Like they're, they're suspicious of him. But that's not the way he comes off in this documentary. He comes off very empathetic and you know his family was torn apart by this and yeah his his relationships with uh chad and how chad entered their family and how his mother changed and mm -hmm. and the different things that he sustained and walked in on and all of that so it's very interesting from that perspective so i guess i'll take it back and like from a what's new kind of thing that's that's new mm -hmm. i haven't seen him be the center his of focal it before. yeah 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 yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't think it was too much additional information, but you and I have also done a deeper dive into this story and, and mm -hmm. you know, has have read literature on it and talked about it before. So for people who, have, who haven't, this might be very new. Yeah, um, absolutely. Her story is very complicated, and, and this is something Shannon and I have talked about, you know, off air as well, which is, you know, how do we even begin to break down her persona and her psychology because there are so many layers and so many players mm -hmm. involved in yes. this story, oh, including please. her family of origin. Yeah. When we when I started watching this show, I was laughing with someone because they were, the, the people I was watching it with, one of the people said to another person who doesn't know the case very well, like, hey, if you try to follow this, like who all the players were, because that person was getting really like confused. Yeah. Don't try to do that because, and then so I quickly went on the internet and brought up like a map of all the people involved 
almost like a genogram. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> and, and I posted it and then everybody was like, see, cause it's like massive. So yeah, following all of the bits and pieces and who was involved in this case is just, it's staggering really. Yeah. And that's because it's partly culty. It is. And so, you know, to just maybe compartmentalize or simplify some of the different layers of this, right? We have the the whole sector of like the LDS subdivision, because I, I don't think all LDS would be like, yes, we believe that, right? So there's like this whole area over here. I mean, like they talk about how Chad really believed he was like becoming the next Joseph Smith or yeah, whatever, right? Bet. So mm -hmm. I don't think that the majority of the Mormon faith or LDS faith is like, yeah, we're on board with Chad Daywell. So, you know, there's that whole thing. There's the cult. Then there is Lori's history, mm -hmm. you know, psychosocial history of what we know is her father had antisocial personality tendencies. Mm -hmm. um, so she grew up with parents who may not have been incredibly attuned, attached, involved, nurturing. She also got a lot of attention as a kid. Safe to say she had some narcissistic injuries. Absolutely. And then she, I think, um, really used those in high school. She was the popular girl. She was attractive. She sought a lot of attention. So some of it is environmental. Some of it is mm -hmm. from her family of origin. And then you have, you know, a, a history of unstable relationships. She was married five times. Yep. And again, if you're going based on the documentary that we watched, her ex-husband seemed to be somewhat grounded mm -hmm. and really trying to rescue her from... Yeah, he's in it too. He's in it too. So yeah, it, it's a lot to take in. And this is not... This documentary, it doesn't entirely target chad's role in this it does not this is much more from colby's perspective from Lori's ex's perspective and from her family perspective it's that story and it's literally called that i think so well sins of our mother so it's very much about her so we know there's a whole other piece to this story and this is a massive story so when they try to do documentaries on it it's good that they just pick a piece of it However, if you're watching it and your criticism is, well, this doesn't even take into account that Chad was driving the delusions of, you know, all the culty stuff and the, and, and the doomsday, you know, she's often called the doomsday mother, right. but you know, he, when she hooked up with him is when all of that started, all of the mythology that he had around that. So he, f he fed that story, at least how it looks as he fed that story to her. And of course she, she attached to it. She's not without, I'm not saying at all that she's without blame, but I, I feel like they needed each other. I feel as if Chad was uh, awkward and not an extrovert, kind of introverted, much more of a writer thinker type. And then with Lori on his arm, she was the extrovert and the one who wanted a lot of attention. And so she brought it to other people and talked to and made them social and had them out and about. And, and he even said, he even talks about her being sort of the spark or the light, you know, of, mm -hmm. of the, of the situation. And so I don't 
think, you know, Chad, of course, you can hear him on radio shows and all kinds of things with the stuff that he wrote, but her doing what she did and what they did ultimately and what her brother did as well, uh, it was kind of, it was, I can see how, I, I will be very interested in this trial, let's put it that way, because they were all involved and all culpable. So I sort of want to know how that's going to fall within the criminal justice system. And I am looking forward to doing shows on it in 2023 when the when the trial is happening. I know we did uh, the, the Depp Heard trial as it was going on, and that I found that to be interesting because some of our stuff kind of shifted as that trial right. went on and, and we saw more experts and it was really interesting. So I'm looking forward to doing that with this as well. One of the things that we, I am as well. I think one of the things that we um, do know though, is she did not become this way with him. Like you said, right. you know, so there is a history of allegedly she murdered her ex-husband, right. And threw a pool party the same day. Well, I think his ex-wife was and and his ex-wife disappeared or yeah, something too. is, you know, it's quite, um, it's dense though story. Yeah. And he maybe, <laughs> you know, we think he maybe have murdered her. So, yeah. but what we do know is that if you're going to take people with this predisposition and throw them together and they will find each other, mm-hmm. like Shannon saying, they were getting their needs met. Then what we might end up seeing in this trial, this is all pending on different information that comes in is something that in mental health, we call a folly ado. Mm -hmm. which is known as a shared psychosis or shared delusional disorder, uh, a collection of rare psychiatric syndromes in which symptoms of a delusional belief and sometimes hallucinations are transmitted from one individual to another. So we can sometimes see this in cult-like behavior, but this is just like two or three people. Um, It's not like this was a collection of 150 people like we've talked about in other cults before it was a very small group there was a basically there's a sect of this yeah and so like when we interviewed leah the the point was is that we're not nobody was saying that this is what lds is about that's right this is an extremist sect a small one but still more than two people much more than two people so because they were some of those people were interviewed in this documentary too and I think one of the biggest pieces of this that will be on the, the, the table through this trial will be um, whether they are culpable for the children's murders based on whatever they find out the psychology to be. Yeah, and I, and I, and I imagine just like Depp versus her, there's going to be experts Multiple. on the stand. So we will have a lot of uh, interesting reactions to that. I imagine both yeah. of us, uh, but I wanted to also say you were going to say something about, I think, uh, well, let me say this one thing. I know that a few days ago there was sort of a thing around Chad Daybell doesn't want to be prosecuted alongside his wife. You know, they keep joining the, joining the cases and breaking the cases and joining mm-hmm. the cases and breaking cases. So what ha- what ended up happening is that attorney for Chad filed to push the trial date back to at least October of 2023. Uh, at one point it was going to be January. Now it's they're trying to get October. I don't know if by the time this airs they may have switched it already. But uh, and this is because like oh well I don't want to be prosecuted alongside of of Lori. So these are tactics 
They might be tactics that are helpful to his case. They might not. I don't know. But I, I certainly see them as tactics of like him trying to distance himself from his wife and co-defendant, which means they are not on the same page anymore. And he's, of course, wanting to say it was her. And we might we might get some interesting revelations. Yeah. You know, a lot happens when people start to sit with their attorneys behind closed doors. Absolutely. And so I was going to ask you, I, I know that one of the pieces of this is is competency yeah they're trying to bring her competency into this but mm -hmm. i think but but i don't know i'm not seeing anything like that but you tell me yeah so in our competency in hearings is protected by the sixth amendment um and so this is federal this is not just state to state so what happens is a person must be found competent in order to stand trial for any criminal charge and what the competency means is that they not only understand the nature of what they did, um, but also they understand and appreciate the charges that are being brought against them and that they have been able to prove that they can participate meaningfully in their own defense. Right. And obviously we can look at people and assume they are or they are not, but competency evaluations are actually quite lengthy and their forensic psychologists will do them. They're considered pre-adjudicative. So before the hearing, these are done. If a person is found incompetent to stand trial, then they have to go to a hospital, a mental health hospital, forensic hospital to be restored to competency before they can continue the trial and the hearing. So I do believe in this documentary, they had mentioned that her competency might be in question. And, you know, sometimes they can do that to buy time. Other times they will do it because like what you and I are talking about, there's such a complexity in this case that it's really uncertain how aware, how present, how much in reality she actually is. And does she actually appreciate and understand the depth of the damage that she has caused? And although she might be able to articulate being in court, does she truly understand what this is about, right? Because if we're looking at things like death sentence or life sentencing, these people have to be able to participate and appreciate what's what's going on in their own, you know. Yeah, I'll be interested to see what comes of that. So when people are doing competency evaluations, I imagine they are individualized, of course, mm -hmm. to that person, just like any kind of psychological situation. Um, to an extent. Mm -hmm. But I imagine, of course, there's an interview mm -hmm. that, I w that would be a constant. In other words, anybody of being evaluated for competency, there's going to be some kind of interview. Is there anything else that's standard? Yeah, so there are standard questions. Mm -hmm. There's a standard evaluation and not testing necessarily. It's no, like testing. Okay. Um, I, because the testing, if there's testing, it's minimal. The majority of the evaluation, at least from when I was trained, the majority of it is in the person's, it, it's their current mental state. So how they're able to answer questions. And there are a series of very standardized questions that are asked in these evaluations. And then if they're found incompetent, then they utilize different, measures. It can be involuntary medication, psychotherapy, XYZ, and then they'll reevaluate three, six months later, whatever, mm -hmm. to see whether that person has been restored. And then from there it proceeds. So it's pretty standardized. Gotcha. 
So the, you know, the trial then begins once they're both found competent, uh, competent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I suppose I should start, uh, I've said this before. I don't really like daily like to follow things, Mm -hmm. but I'm, I'm guessing now I've got to start, you know, once a month kind of checking in on what's going on. Cause literally when you Google news on this case, it's still all the time. I know (laughs) there's all the time news on this case. It's like, it's not going to stop by the time, by the time we get there, if it's going to be October, 2023, there's going to be such a fund of, we will have been yanked all over the yard <laughs> of this. But I would just say that uh, I would recommend this documentary. It's, I did look it up again. It's, it's three episodes. So it's actually only a total of two hours and 20 of your minutes. <laughs> yeah. It's a TV miniseries on Netflix and, and it has a lot of the, the same Netflix things that you like a good Netflix series. In other words, the twists and turns, the personal story that's involved. So those things are good about this series is that it, uh, it's not your awful drug out, you know, boring Netflix true crime series that it can be. I mean, it's, it is one of those ones. I mean, it's an awful story. It's, it's, it's grim, but it's also fascinating. It's why we keep talking about it. It's why everyone keeps talking about it is that it's complicated. It's layered and it involves so many different kinds of crimes and different Mm -hmm. kinds of pathology Mm -hmm. that it's interesting in that way. We're learning something about humanity from it and thus something about ourselves. And it does leave you with that yucky feeling of being a voyeur to people's suffering. Totally. Then there's, you know, there's Colby sitting there. His whole family was destroyed. And so Uh, I will, I will mention one silly thing unless you had something. No, go ahead. There is zombie B footage, zombie inserted footage in here. In this documentary, and I even made a note of it because I'm like, oh, oh my god, there is there's oh B-roll god. of zombies because part of the doomsday oh, shit right. for these people is that they're the religious fanaticism of this was that there were light and dark spirits and that they're zombies in their life and that they're actually dead walking among us. That's these right. dark spirits and the dark spirits needed to be killed and that's the the mythology around what not the mythology but that's the motivation around why these kids were killed is that uh, Chad and Lori identified them as dark spirits and then killed you know she killed her own children because they they needed to go because they were zombie quote-unquote zombies and literally in the cut footage there's like they did zombie b-roll and i was you know i was amused side note mm-hmm. listening to that that made, was my side note made, so. <laughs> no well side note to your side note because it made me then think about you know their level of sophistication because they're talking about these things but they were so so savvy in covering up what they did and no, then obviously knowing it was wrong, that it just makes me question how mentally unstable were they from like a, not from a characterological standpoint, but oh, like, yeah. you know, I mean. For Lori, I think they're going to go with uh, that she had, um, whatever that's called when people have, I'm losing the name of it, uh, bouts of insanity. In other words, they mm-hmm. snap and, you know, the trauma response stuff where mm-hmm. it's like, oh, she snapped and she's actually coherent 90% of the time. But in those moments, yeah. she was definitely insane. She snapped, even though there's no history yeah. that we know of. Yeah. But yeah, you know, how much how, the elaborate story of those children being somewhere else. Yeah. I think that that's 
maybe what they're going to try to do, but him separating the cases, like him wanting to not adjudicate with her or whatever, uh, that tells me something is awry <laughs> and Chad is wanting to go, Oh no, she did crazy one. Well, the prosecutors are pursuing the death penalty for both. So yeah, I know it'll be so really we'll interesting. See. So we'll see. Cause one could not get it and one could get that's, it that's because right. like separating them gives him that shot. And I Absolutely. imagine that's what he's trying to go for. Yep. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. This has been an episode of terror talk. My name is Shannon and I'm Kathy sleep safe, everyone. <laughs>